Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite. And I'm Will Washington, and this is Day After Dynamite. Dad, if you will, most people have affectionately referred to it as. Very intentional. But I'm not alone here. I am joined by one of my favorite people on the face of the internet. He has made a big name for himself on TikTok, a platform that I have completely struggled to understand. And <laughs> and he is a part of the Fightful family. He is the one and only Professor Nick Harrison. Well, it is an honor and privilege to be on with you on the one-year anniversary of your announcement of being announced as a host. With fightful, so uh, I, this is a big this is a big deal, man. It is. I know. One year, like uh, one year ago, yesterday was my last episode of RBR, and then I came over to fightful the next day. I mean, so the funny thing is, it's the one year of the announcement, but it had been like cooking for weeks, and so <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where I, I'm one year removed from it all being out there, and uh, one year removed from 
uh, just all of the change that's happened in the last year and and me and Reg and Phil getting to do what we've done with Grap City and how much fun we've had. Speaking of which, by the way, uh, it's, it's the off Thursday, which means that uh, if you're subscribed to Fightful Select, tune in later today in about two hours from right now because we've got a brand new edition of Ask Grap City. If you've got any questions for me, Phil or Reg, make sure to get those in. We'll go ahead and answer those on Ask Grap City and just hear in a little bit. But but this is Day After Dynamite. Nick, I'm so glad to have you here because, uh, I don't know, I have just felt like, content-wise, I don't know how you come up with half the stuff you come up with and uh, and how you think of the things you think of in relation to wrestling. Because part of, I feel like, the game of TikTok and pro wrestling, and, and I told X3 this too, but uh, it, it's it's got to be finding ways to relate not just you but uh i'll say outside content to professional wrestling and when you seem to marry the three things you have a hit and uh i don't know how you managed to come up with these things but it's it's genius to me i love it i have a brain that is full of like pop culture wrestling and just jumbled mess <laughs> that has been sitting there for well i'm 42 years old now so about 35 40 years of my life where all this stuff is like just come together as an amalgam and it i mean i just vomited out on social media and it just <laughs> seems that people tend to love it so if they keep loving it, i'm gonna keep doing it. it's just a lot of fun man and i enjoy doing it so it's it's I just love professional wrestling, so to be able to pour into it in that way is just really cool. So it, it, I love it, and, and it seems like professional wrestling loves you. So that's always been a great thing. It's like when you show the love to the industry, and then it shows it back. There's nothing like that. It's the uh, best thing in the world, man. For real, <laughs> it is. It's it is. I I truly feel that myself, having been at this as long as I've been at it. Um, but folks, I want to make sure that. Uh, you guys participate in this show because uh, I know everybody's got some thoughts and you'll get to leave your thoughts here. Make sure for one, leave us a thumbs up if you're right here on this video right there on YouTube. Just It's right there, bottom left corner. Just do it. Give us the thumbs up and then um, that's it. We, we really need those. But also, the one thing that helps support us is your super chats, your humper chats. If you go to uh, YouTube.com during the show, um, youtube.com slash fightful while you're watching leave us a super chat those help really support what we do at uh, fightful they help support day after dynamite they help support grapsity um, and again youtube.com slash fightful while you're watching just leave us that super chat or humper chats humper chats we like a little bit more because the humper chats um, youtube takes a gigantic cut of the Humper Chats, of the Super Chats, <laughs> just a fact. Humper Chats, we get a little bit more of it. So if you want to send us Humper Chats, that's at HumperChats.com. That's our Streamlabs solution. And the cool thing about Humper Chats is you don't have to wait for the show to start to send those. You can send those at any point. Um, make sure you're addressing what show there too, because we only have like one Humper Chat account. And so uh, sometimes we don't know if it's going to Day After Dynamite or if it's going to uh, Alex and Kate or if it's going to Sean and Denise. I don't know, but uh, I'll usually assume if it came during this show or if it says for dad, it's for this show. Uh, but definitely send those in, humperchats.com, uh, and we'll go ahead and bring those up on the screen. We'll read them. We got a super chat from Orion Ben 666 that says, uh, the dad and professor, uh, professor of pro wrestling, let's dynamite. Let's do hey, it. Thank you for recognizing me as the professor of professional wrestling and not Serena D. 
Serena, <laughs> we see what you're doing. That's gimmick infringement, and I will not stand for it. If you, it's right here above my head. The real professor of professional wrestling. How dare you, Serena? <laughs> I'm watching. You. Hey, you got to get yourself a flag now because she's got a flag. What? You... I'm, I'm gonna get a flag. I'm done. Well, <laughs> done. Little get you a flag for your boy. That's it. We making it happen. All Jim Duggan up in here. Get a flag. And just thumbs up. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I want to see you uh, waving the flag, thumbs up. Do it entirely Jim Duggan style. Uh, and let's see. I'm pulling up the Humper Chats right now. I want to make sure before we dive into things that uh, I have accurately pulled everything I was supposed to pull. So we're going to log <laughs> in with my account. Um, but the thing I wanted to talk about, uh, for those of you subscribed to Fightful Select, you may have seen that I had a report this week about... Uh, people being absent from this week's Dynamite. Because we knew going into it, Tony Khan had tweeted out um, that for those who had missed the email, um, going to AEW, uh, if you were a resident of Florida, uh, was optional this week. And we weren't sure when he said that who uh, was going to take him up on that. I had talked to a number of wrestlers about this and, uh, and then got some word from AEW about who was planned for the show and who essentially wasn't going to be there. And so I reported yesterday that Tony Khan um, had given basically a the go-ahead for uh, Swerve Strickland was supposed to be on the show. There was going to be some follow-up to his title loss and uh, some more stuff with the acclaim. That looks like it's been pushed to next week. Uh, and also Samoa Joe was going to have some involvement here. This was a very Ring of Honor heavy episode. Things uh, revolved around Philadelphia. Uh, I don't know what angle he was going to be involved in, but I do know that Samoa Joe was supposed to have a presence on this show. Um, he was given the go-ahead to stay at home. Matt Seidel um, stayed home as well. Um, just a number of guys pretty much. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, I guess funny is the wrong word, uh, interesting thing is that a lot of guys who trained at the Performance Center for a long time uh, took up residence in Orlando. That's It just right. made sense, right? Like if yeah. you were in NXT and you were going to be at the Performance Center, you wanted to be filming things along those lines, moving to Orlando makes sense, right? right. And so uh, a lot of guys are in that Orlando area and they're kind of in the path of, of, of Ian. And uh, there's also a lot of residents in Tampa as well. So, um, yeah, I just, the, that was basically the, the story there. And like I said, we reported that on FightfulSelect.com yesterday that there was a number of people who were missing from that Florida area and um, weren't and able to be there. That's understandable. Yeah, and that's absolutely. Really, that, was a, that was the right move by Tony Khan to say, you know, you don't have to come into TV this week. Because I know what's about to hit landfall in Florida. So just make sure you got your family taken care of, that you're taken care of, that everything is safe. And uh, we'll be able to do something a little bit later. So I, I totally get that. Yeah. So a couple of wrestlers I had talked to um, had said to me that, uh, and I thought this was an interesting point. It wasn't so much that they were worried about getting out because all the flying out would have been on Tuesday, but it was getting home today that yeah. they would have been worried about more than anything else um, and whether or not their stuff was all still going to be there. So uh, that was really what a lot of it was about. It was basically, you know, staying with the family, staying, keeping them safe, all of that. But then more than anything else, like making sure you can get home. Um, right. You know, they didn't want to be stranded elsewhere. 
And so that played a really big part in uh, some of the decisions made yesterday. Because there were a couple of Orlando talents. Um, no, if you guys know this, Britt Baker does live in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Britt Baker did make it to the show. Um, she uh, was just completely able to pull that off. And that's, that's a... Uh, it, it was really up to talent as far as whether or not they could be there and whether or not they were able to make it for that show. Right. So um, that was an interesting deal. I also got a really interesting stat uh, about the show. So as you all know, AEW uh, isn't so used to running a very promo-heavy show. It's, it's very wrestling-based. Right. Uh, but I noticed this week while watching that both Raw and Dynamite, I tweeted this last night, but I felt like Raw this week felt, I, I felt this during the show, but I wasn't going to say it because I knew I was going to bring out Tribalist. But uh, I felt like <laughs> Raw felt very Dynamite-esque. And when I say that, I mean like the way Raw was flowing in a match-to-match format where really like the only non-match related segment was the opening segment and that still went into a match but otherwise it was all just kind of match and then uh you know typical wwe promo stuff but then like match 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 and like after a match would end they'd go backstage and say and now we're gonna get to this match and i thought that is nothing like monday night raw that's not like monday night raw at all that's how dynamite very much presents itself because right. that, that's how dynamite's been since the beginning it, it has the ability to present itself in a match 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 type way and so i that that was just my observation on monday i was like raw feels very dynamite-esque this week which and i've I heard could, from oh go ahead no i was gonna say i can totally see that and you're right like raw even oh in the in, in the very immediate time over the past couple of weeks has leaned more towards the wrestling portion mm-hmm. of everything but now dynamite this past wednesday felt very promo heavy which is understandable again because you told a lot of your talent because they were in florida mm-hmm. you can stay home so there might not have been a lot of people there to participate in a lot of stuff and make some of those matches because i think there were only what three matches on Dynamite this week? Uh, Dynamite had, because um, it oh, it went in with, I think, four booked, and then it ended up with five by the end. Yeah. Um, but no, six, because there was the Ricky Starks match. So yeah, the, was, see, I didn't even think about yeah. the Ricky Starks match, because it was like right. a minute and a half. So yeah. it was like, the, the stuff was real quick, but it's like, it it focused more on like the promos and the, the behind-the-scenes stuff and the stuff, between, which I, I enjoyed it a lot. Like the stuff between uh, MJF and Wheeler Yuta, was great so you know you had some really good like non-in-ring stuff that was going on on dynamite this week that kind of carried over and which is something that people have asked for with that with uh, AEW was more story driven like you know promo stuff they've asked for that so they got it this week and it was actually quite entertaining sports entertaining really, yes <laughs> uh, so i have a stat here um and i wish this was a stat i pulled out myself but i was actually given this stat by AEW. um but it was a very interesting stat it's been a really long time since AEW dynamite has had three promo segments usually it's two at most 
Um, a lot of times there's just one. Last week, I believe there was only one. Uh, but this show had three promo segments. It had the opening promo segment with the Jericho celebration. It had the MJF and Wheeler Yuta segment. It had the Soraya segment. Three in-ring promo segments. The last time that happened was the December 9th, 2020 edition of AEW Dynamite. Uh, that was a show that featured three segments. And I had these I pulled off the top of my head. <laughs> Once I was told December 9th, I was like, what happened on December 9th? It would have been a week after winter is coming. And so that would have been the... Uh, uh, That would have been the week after Kenny won the title. So, of course, Kenny had a promo with Don Callis. But then that also would have been the week after Sting debuted. So, Sting and Cody had a promo. And then also, there was the Inner Circle Ultimatum segment. And so, that was the last time that AEW had a show that had three promo segments in a single episode. And it's been a long time since they've done anything along those lines. Right. But... Here we were. It's needed. I mean, I think I I I thoroughly enjoyed Dynamite this week. Really, honestly, I did. I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was entertaining. I thought the in ring stuff was really good. I thought they were building up on matches that were coming down the road, uh, building up animosity between you know certain entities. You know, the stuff with Dane Garcia and Chris Jericho is still going on, and I think that's really entertaining. Uh, and like I said, the stuff with Wheeler Yuta and MJF, I liked a lot. And I, I, I am interested to see where it goes going forward with all the things that have been introduced over the past couple of weeks. Hmm. Well, we're about to dive into all of that. Before get we get there, that. though, uh, I, we have our normal Day After Dynamite run-in. As soon as he clicks the Add to Stream button... There Will he Washington. Hi, Jeremy Lompere. Uh the guy who's getting married this weekend. I hey! can't believe this. Allegedly. What? Allegedly. What, what is she not going to show up? <laughs> you never know, Will. You never know. <laughs> I, I, until, you know, plans can change, pal. That's why I always got to bring your gear. I don't know until the, the bell rings and the I do's are set. Ah, uh, true. Uh, are you nervous, though? Are you excited? What, what's... What what are what are you looking at? So it's Thursday right now. So we're now right around the corner. You've got three days left. I, I'm not nervous at all. I'm excited for it to be here. I'm very stressed. I'm stressed of the like the build up to it. I'm just ready to get through the week. Once once we get through the week, once it's here on Saturday night, Sunday, I'll be good. I'll be good on that. Nick, nice to meet you. By the nice way, we watched it, the, the forbidden door of, of wrestling media here, always introducing everybody. Uh, great work on the, the Fightful TikTok. And I thank you, uh, sir. I appreciate, appreciate it. I'm not on the TikTok, but I, I check out the videos and always try to support everything everybody tries to do at Fightful. So nice to, nice to meet you. It. And just wanted to say thanks for all you do here, here at Fightful. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that you call it the TikTok, as the old folks say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not hip at all. The the TikToks, <laughs> yes. But I, I appreciate that, man. I, I I really enjoy being a part of the Fightful family. I'm looking forward to doing more stuff with Fightful. Uh, I've been looking forward to doing Day After Dynamite, and uh, it's funny. This is you know the first time I ever met Will in person was at an AEW show in New Orleans. So this is kind of like synergy. Uh, yeah, two of us. So I'm just I'm very excited to be a part of the family and looking forward to more 
bigger and better things with Fightful. Well, we we appreciate it. Yeah, everything you do at Fightful, everything Will Washington does at Fightful, he is the absolute best. Oh, and I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say thank you guys. Thank you guys, for dude. I'm missing your wedding right at this weekend, and you're just being all kind to me. And I'm like, I I, I don't know what to do with it. I, Should I be mean? Should I be mean, Will? Like. Thanks for not coming, my. Thanks for not coming. I can't yell too. Loud. No, I, honestly though, I because I really want to be there, and like I, um, and and a lot of people are gonna be there. Like speaking, fightful family. Allegedly. This is a this is a fightful family reunion you're gonna have here at your wedding. I think that's really cool, and uh, I don't. Know. I'm honored I'm that so many people are actually showing up from fightful and the wrestling media because. I don't think I'm very important. I don't think anybody actually likes me. And so the fact that people are the people the fact that people are actually coming here, I'm like, oh, are you guys sure this is how you how you want to spend your weekend coming to Ohio? You positive <laughs> this is what you want to do? Well, it's uh yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. I'm looking forward to getting married. And we're doing a podcast the day of your wedding because uh Denise and I still have to do after the week on Sunday morning. So we still have a bunch of people at Joel's doing his <laughs> podcast today. I'm going to, I think I'm just going to run in on all of these podcasts. The same day. Like, yeah. I'm like two hours away from getting married. Like, you know, what's going on guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to end up doing. Yes. But no, I, I wanted to say thank you to you guys. I I'm, I legitimately don't think anybody likes me. This very uh, imposter syndrome, what they call it. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. No, dude. Like, are, are you kidding me? King of imposter syndrome over yeah, here. So, uh, yeah. So uh, just ask Hannah as far as how I deal with imposter <laughs> syndrome because she's seen it in person. Uh, but thank you, Jeremy, for stopping by. Thank you, Jeremy. You guys, have a, have a great show. Nick, I, I heard you like Dynamite, so I'm very interested to hear your takes on the show from last night because I know it's been a lot, a lot of takes all over the place from last night. I so, know. I thought it was that was middle of the road, so I'm interested to hear what you got to say about that. And Will, yeah. always love your takes on Dynamite. Bye, everybody. See you guys see maybe you next week. Maybe I'll show up next week. We'll see. Bye, everyone. The marrying man. Yeah, I know. Getting married. Jeremy Lombert. Uh, no matter what, they're going to be the Lombers to me. That's still going to be a thing. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> what is a Lambert? Lambert. We don't know. He is Yeah. So, um, anyway, I'll say this. My overall thoughts on Dynamite, I... First off, I'm going to preview something. I, I mentioned this on Twitter, uh, but I haven't gotten to talk about this on a podcast yet. I did a an experimental podcast this week. It's been recorded. Um, there are some audio mishaps with it, so I've got to do some editing. Uh, there were audio mishaps I wasn't aware was happening. Speaking of which, Nick, if I start skipping and like my voice gets squirrely and all that, please let me know because yes, same be, because uh, my my guest didn't know to let me know that, so we recorded a whole bunch in like twenty minutes of it's unusable. So, uh, but we recorded about an hour and a half, and I talked with a friend who was i've known this friend 20 years and she was basically interested in checking out some pro wrestling she is not a pro wrestling fan she's not actively into pro wrestling she didn't know much of anything other than the only thing she mentioned to me was she saw a commercial for grand slam and she was like isn't that the guy who's married to one of the bellas and that was all she had she recognized brian danielson uh but other than that which by the way that was 
already an interesting take to me because a lot of people don't really see Brian Danielson as like a mainstream wrestler uh, because he's such a pure professional wrestler. But the fact that she was like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I've seen him on The Bella Show was what she said because she was like, you know, back in her. She was like, I used to watch that stuff. She was like, that was the only wrestling exposure she had was watching Total Divas, Total Bellas in the midst of watching like the Kardashians. But anyway. So I was like, okay, I'm going to task you with something. I'm going to give you my logins, and I want you to watch a week's worth of pro wrestling. And then I'm going to interview you about it because I really want to know what somebody who doesn't watch this stuff, who's not in the weeds like us, who hasn't almost developed, you know, 30-something years of uh, opinions and, uh, and things along those lines, I really wanted to know okay. what she thought of watching pro wrestling with fresh eyes. And it was really interesting to get her point of view. I'm not going to spoil a whole lot because it's a really good podcast. But um, I got some really interesting views. There were things like, uh, like she didn't like the acclaimed, but part of the reason she didn't like the acclaimed was that uh, she didn't get any of it. And I thought like the stuff she was picking up on was a lot of the stuff where people will say like, oh, nobody gets Orange Cassidy. Why don't they explain this? Why is he like this? She completely got Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy was her favorite act that she saw. But like the acclaimed was an act where she's like, why are these guys coming out with Scissor Me Daddy on their shirts? And I thought, hmm, you know, that's interesting because my brain loves the acclaimed. I love all things acclaimed, but I've also been watching them since the beginning. And she's watching this like, I don't get any of this. I don't get... The act, why is this old guy with them? Like, I don't understand them. But she was like, Swerve and Keith, I love Swerve and Keith. She's like, I know Fabulous. And he's, she was like, that's the music I grew up on. So love Fabulous. So obviously, Swerve and Keith are a big deal because they've got Fabulous with them. I don't know these other guys. And also, I don't get it. None of it makes sense. Why is everybody doing a scissor motion? And I thought, wow, I hadn't even put that together that I'm so in this. I'm so in this bubble that somebody seeing this for the first time doesn't get it at all. Uh, She also knew that Jericho had lost the tournament and was like, why is he getting a shot at, like, why does he get a championship match uh, on Dynamite the next week? What happened? In between that, I was like, oh, you have to watch Rampage for that. I guess without Rampage, it wouldn't make any sense. Oh, my God, it's Sean Ross. (laughs) F-A-B-O-L-O-S-R-S. There we go. It's Sean Ross app. What's up, Sean? I'm about to go to the Bengals game. Just wanted to say hi. Uh, Hold on. Here's how I'll do it. Hi, Nick. Hi, Will. What up, Sean? Hey, Sean. Check out hey, all man, the great... Go out there and beat those Dolphins, man. Let's get that win. Trying to. Trying to. I'm trying to. Go get it, baby. Everybody check out the great work that Nick is doing on TikTok at Fightful.com. And check out Ass Grapsity on Fightful Select. We got to get some of those subscriptions back. Some of y'all left us. You're mad at us. Bring them back, Will. <laughs> yeah. Bring them back, Will. FightfulSelect.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. 
Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. We're going to answer some great questions. Any questions you've got, we'll answer them. That's what we do. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, and that, that might end up being a Fightful Select podcast. Um, at least we recorded it under the impression it would be. So um, definitely check that out. We, we just, we had a great, uh, had a great chat. And I'm actually, the, the cool thing that we came out of it with, though, and this was the part I was most pleased with, because um, we talked about a lot of things, but at the end, she said, I am hooked and I want to keep watching. And I thought, uh, and so like, I might text her now just to, I, probably tomorrow, just to let some time pass. But I want to know what she thought of this week's Dynamite. Because again, wrestling fans in the weeds are very like, oh, that was like worst episode of Dynamite. Because when things aren't like excellent, when things aren't perfect, it's it's either really great or really bad. But nothing's ever like in the middle. If there's anything you dislike on an episode of Dynamite, it's like this is the worst show of all time. Yeah, um, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who will always try to find the good stuff in whatever mm-hmm. I watch and enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I try to dig into it as much as I can because I was one of those, you know, grassroots fans from back in the day who, you know, would appreciate the little things. And there were some little things in Dynamite last night that I was like, oh, well, that that's fun. OK, I, I, I can get into that. So I, I'm, I'm this is going to be a fun one to dig into. Yes. Because there, there are going to be a bunch of people. I might lose some followers on Twitter. On this <laughs> well, he don't know what he's talking about. Get out of here. You're the worst. So, um, yeah, let, let, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, so uh, I want to address a couple of super chats and a humper chat. Uh, we got one from Tom Talks, Tom Talks Rubbish. It says, Jeremy, to set up media area at wedding. That's probably the best thing you could do, considering when you invite a bunch of podcasters to one place, probably want to give them the ability to still podcast. But uh, uh, I think it's a little too late for that. Um, and Graham B says, SRS1. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's brilliant. Yes. Uh, we got to get him like a shirt with the, the KRS logo. That'd be great. That would um, be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got this one here is from Rerun. It says, uh, for dad. That's us. Uh, it says, I love how fresh AEW talent gets over so organically with the crowd. Wardlow, Garcia, Wheeler, the acclaimed. And now you see it coming with Hater. Uh it says, and Willow is going to be there once she gets the opportunity. Nothing feels forced. Thank yes. you, Rerun. I appreciate that. And that's a great observation because I yes. feel that's true as well. That um, especially with AEW fans, they tend to have an attachment to people that kind of grew in front of their eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why there's such an attachment to AEW original talent and why 
guys can get over the way they have gotten over. Speaking of which, the show opened with a lot of purple. We had the Jericho Championship celebration. Chris Jericho in the ring with the Jericho Appreciation Society and also Luigi Primo, who is just in the back throwing some pizza uh, throughout the promo. And... Uh, of course, we had pizza boxes behind them, so I don't think he needed a huge explanation as to why Luigi Primo's there. It's a celebration. At celebrations, you have pizza. It's pretty much been that way your entire life. Um, and so that's... <laughs> Look, you had in the classroom, when it was pizza day, you knew it, it was... When you had pizza parties, that's what it was. Pizza parties. You know when something has gone right, you need a pizza party. So that made perfect sense to me. But to me, I looked at it from a completely different perspective. Like, if you've ever seen people talking about working like a hard job, like dudes who work as uh, stockers or something like that, and the CEOs have all of this money and they come in and talk about how successful everything has been, so to reward you, instead of giving you a raise, instead of giving you something monetary that can help your family, we're going to give you a pizza party. So that's kind of his thing with, like, Daniel Garcia. It's like, you do what I tell you to do. I own you, I run you, and all you're getting is slices of pizza. So that's what you're going to take. <laughs> so it's like Jericho That's a great observation. Rude, I didn't even think of that. That's great. Jericho is just a rude, mean boss who's, I'm, I won a world championship. I'm the, By the way, the Ocho is reserved for ESPN 8. I will never call him the Ocho. That is for Pepper and Cotton from <laughs> Dodgeball. I will never call him the Ocho. That is ESPN 8, and that will always be ESPN. But that's what I saw is that Jericho is just being the rude boss who's rewarding all of his hardworking guys with pizza. This is what you're getting. And, but you're not getting any, uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> you, can, you want some pizza? Well, you're not going to get any. <laughs> yeah. I, and honestly, I have to say, I was not prepared for what the segment was about to be, but I genuinely liked it almost from top to bottom. I thought that, uh, that Matt Menard and Angela Parker – are hilarious i think that they those two are guys that i feel like i don't know it was kind of a diamond in the rough for me i wasn't sure how funny i would find them. like people used to tell me about ever rise and i hadn't seen a whole lot of them uh so i wasn't sure how funny i'd find them but i genuinely think matt menard especially is just a funny guy i think he is genuinely great at what he does uh, menard plays like he's on he's off that bean man he, he plays poked <laughs> out so where uh, you're gonna get a little taste. It's like <laughs> like macho man light with him. It's like it's a little susa, a little taste. You wanted a taste, you're not gonna get a taste. That dude uh it's I, you can find the humor in Menard and Parker and what they're able to do because they, they play comic heel so mm-hmm. well. So and you know, I you can find like the whole thing. I'm with you, man. That whole Jericho Appreciation Society segment from top to bottom from the purple suits, which took me back to my youth of watching Bad Boy and like the whole hip hop videos where everybody's wearing uh, yes. like shiny suits. We ain't going nowhere. I I, did, I loved it. Every That's single right. piece of that segment, like for real. Yeah, I, 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 I'm glad you did because like I said, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and I also... So everybody got their speaking part. They let... Um, Anna Jay get to tell off the fans, which I think she's getting better at. You can tell she's getting a little more comfortable each time she does. And like at the end of the day, that's how you get people better on the microphone is you give them time. Right. Um, 
And so you had Anna Jay doing her thing. Uh, and then, of course, Chris Jericho addresses everybody and finally addresses Daniel Garcia. And I thought everything from here on was Daniel Garcia's basically sink or swim moment. And I thought he swam. Mm -hmm. I thought that uh, Jericho gives him the opportunity to basically put all this behind us and declare himself a sports entertainer, put this wrestler stuff to bed, ignore all these fans who are chanting, you're a wrestler, which I still think is the funniest chant of all time because like you can literally chant that at anybody and it's accurate. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but so the fact that they're just like, honestly, any, I want that to be the chant, like for generic wrestlers in, uh, in like video games and things like that, where, you know, you can set custom chants to people, but they have to be as they can't truly be accurate. Like if you ever played like the old WWF attitude games back in the day yeah. and it would just chant player one player one. No, I just want, you're a wrestler. You're a wrestler. Like, just give me that. That's well, I, I tell you, it, it shows how well the stuff with the Jericho appreciation society is like getting to the fans and how much they're understanding it because it's like it's a whole play on the difference between sports entertainer and professional wrestler and mm -hmm. for him to be in a faction that is based on we're all sports entertainers for the fans to chant at him you're a wrestler that's them saying you don't belong with these people you're not like I them. I I <laughs> you're not a sports entertainer you're a wrestler what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I, I, I think it's worked for him. But yeah. then Brian hitting the ring here uh, and basically telling Daniel Garcia that, uh, oh, wait, before this, before this, before Brian, sorry, missed the point here. Chris Jericho gave Daniel Garcia a gift. He gifted him the purple Kangle. And let me tell you, Nah, it's a see. I tell you, it's it was the bucket hat, man. Bucket hat, bucket that's, hat. Sorry, that's that right. The old one was a kangol. Sorry, you're right. The bucket hat. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Which, if it was a kangol, he probably would have felt better. He about probably would have felt yeah. better because he was wearing the kangol before. Yeah, you're right. Know, it was the bucket the hat. Kangos. It's the purple bucket hat. Yeah. And uh, but that helped illustrate almost the silliness here, and and really helped put the look on Daniel Garcia's face. And you know, he throws it to the ground. Um, then out comes Brian. Brian basically talks up Garcia, tells him, it doesn't matter what you do. You're a man. You make your decision. Garcia finally starts telling off the Jericho Appreciation Society, but he never sides against Jericho. That moment still hasn't happened, but he does issue a challenge to Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus himself and Brian Danielson. Where's that going? Ooh, I don't know. Because again, he, uh... He still never de he never declared himself against the Jericho Appreciation Society, but right. he did issue the challenge for a match. Uh, but that's for a later date. Until then, we had Brian Danielson tell everybody that he actually was given permission by Tony Khan to have a match right here, right now, which hasn't happened in AEW. That's not an AEW thing. That's a very Monday Night Raw thing. That's a very right. SmackDown thing. We don't see that in AEW where wrestlers say let's have the match and let's do it right now we've seen like open challenges and things like that but we haven't necessarily just seen the well i'm out here in my gear let's go right now get a referee and 
they did it. They got us a referee. Um, they cleared the ring very quickly. They like cut to a shot of the commentators at the table. And, uh, and then when we cut back, everything's gone. And, uh, can I just say, first of all, they did go show the commentators at the table and William Regal was one of those commentators. And we had a little piece at the beginning of the match where the sound guy in the back decided to play a little bit of Brian Danielson's theme song as the match was just now getting started and everybody just stops uh-huh. and like, all right. And wait, he's off his nuts. The sound <laughs> man is off his nuts. And I, I for uh, anytime William Regal gets on the mic at the commentary table, I am rolling laughing. The man in the mask. Oh, you tasty little piece. I would yeah. roll you up, would I? It's, <laughs> it's, it's just amazing, man. God bless that man. And William Regal, give him his flowers as soon as you possibly can because that man is a treasure. He is an absolute treasure. He called him a Rice Krispie treat. I loved <laughs> <laughs> I loved Regal and Excalibur here so much. Uh, that's my favorite little combination. Man in the mask. You rice crispy treat. It's great stuff. It's so great. Um, and yeah, the the funny thing about the Brian music stuff was I got what they were trying to do and that they were kind of trying to do the like Monday Night Raw thing. Because I don't know if it was a mistake uh-huh. as much as it was mistimed where they cut to the shot of the commentators and then they were supposed to cut back to the shot and it was going to be playing Brian's music as if, to, you know, this match is getting started like a match would. Because I know some people saying that um, that Brian... Uh, they were like, oh, that spoiled the match. But like, no, because that was still the intro version of his music because little observational fact, when Brian comes to the ring, it's born for greatness with lyrics. When he wins matches, there's no lyrics on the song. Right. So, uh, but it still had the lyrics in it when it was playing at the beginning. I don't think that was a mistake of them playing the closing music. Um, so, and yes, Caden, I, w- I can read your super chat. Sorry that I, I missed it last week because I was in a rush getting out. Um, if you want to paste that in the chat now, I'll go ahead and read your super chat, Caden. Um, but yeah, so somebody in the chat noted that they don't really like when uh, matches are just made on the spot, on the fly. I'll say this about that. They at least attempted to address little pieces of it. Like, no matter what, Brian had addressed the fact that he was granted time to have a match. So at least in a formatting sense, Brian was supposed to get a match here so we can say that the thing the time i hate it most is mostly with main events i cannot stand when uh a main event is made the same night because i always have to ask the question if this hadn't transpired in the ring what was the main event of this show going to be from a logical standpoint was the show just going to go off 30 minutes early what was the plan here and uh like what kind of matchmaker doesn't have a main event for his shows planned. So, um, like, I, it was the was the match that goes on before that was that supposed to be the main event? <laughs> right. If it was, <laughs> then you look at that match and you're like, is this really a main event match? Like, what exactly? What is going on? So, I, I yeah, I see that. So, I, know, I I like it when they do that when they they do the I want to you know we're gonna do this match right here right now get a referee out here because it 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 to me, lends to drama and suspense as to, okay, this is happening now, especially if you have some sort of actual buildup to it. Mm -hmm. Like, there hasn't been an actual buildup 
to this deal with da Brian Danielson and the folks with the Jericho Appreciation Society and Daniel Garcia all being a part of it. And, you know, Menard was even talking about was talking to Daniel Garcia talking about I'm sick of your crap, you know, mm -hmm. and this this all led into what happened. So it I can kind of as long as there is purpose behind it, if it's just a match being made to be a match. Then it's like, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm really with this right now, but as long as there's something leading into it that makes it make make it make sense, Will, as long as it makes sense, then I can totally understand. Yeah, and uh, and that's what we got here. We got uh, Brian Danielson taking on uh, Matt Menard. Uh, you know, it was it was I'll put it above a squash in that it wasn't a a match in which. A whole lot happened. Um, we did see Matt Menard and uh, and Angelo Parker basically take advantage of of Brian and take advantage of the ref in some situations. And this led to Claudio Castagnoli literally coming out and carrying Angelo Parker out of the arena. <laughs> and that led to oh. it, find, it being just a straight one on one match. I am curious where did they go. But that's okay. It's pro wrestling. I don't care that much. But uh, Brian Danielson beats Matt Menard, taps him out to the LaBelle lock after hitting him with Busaiko knee. Shortish match. It went about eight minutes. And yeah. yeah, not much to it. It was more so we got to see Brian in action again. Get a win after losing the title match to John Moxley last week. We are clearly leading to Brian Danielson challenging for the Ring of Honor Championship. Right. Um, a thing Jericho noted, by the way, that he's better than all of Ring of Honor's past, and he's going to prove it. And luckily, Which a lot makes you think: Was that what Joe was going to be doing if he was at Dynamite this week? Because if if, if Joe is a past champion, so if mm -hmm. Joe was there, was that was he what he was scheduled to do this week on TV? Yeah, I mean, I'm curious because of the fact that, you know, Jericho made the declaration at the end that he's coming for all of the Ring of Honor champions. Uh, and it starts with Bandito tonight, uh, former champion. Um, I know Gresham fans are suddenly breathing a sigh of relief that uh, that he got to avoid being a, uh, a fodder for Chris Jericho here. But, you know, you look at the roster and how many of them are former ring of honor champions and how many of them was Chris Jericho going to go through? Mm -hmm. uh, I, my first thought was, Oh, CM Punk's not here, but that could have been something. Can uh, you imagine? Can you imagine, can you imagine one punk two Adam Cole? Can yeah. You imagine if that's something that happens down the line, Adam Cole, Chris Jericho. Can you imagine? I know. Right. Like there, there actually is a lot they can do with this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because AEW owns so much of Ring of Honor's library. So much of Ring of Honor's library, in fact. One thing that was pointed out on this show, I believe this was the first time, maybe not because I guess Road 2, but uh, the first Dynamite in which we have seen all-in footage on AEW television because that footage belonged to Ring of Honor since the beginning. Right. Uh, even though AEW has owned the name all-in pretty much since... 
because the name All In was a registered trademark of, I believe, Killing the Business Inc., which belongs to the Young Bucks. And I believe in 2020, and Tony, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the Young Bucks sold the trademark over to Tony. And so Tony has owned All In since 2020, but he hasn't owned the footage since until he bought Ring of Honor. And so we got to see some actual All In footage here. Either way, opening segment, top to bottom, I thought Daniel Garcia here was great. I thought that Brian and uh, Matt Menard... It had a fairly unremarkable match, but Brian's my favorite wrestler ever, so I'll never complain about seeing Brian matches. Um, and I just I thought uh, any everything that needed to get over here got over. It was sports entertainment, but it was sports entertaining, so yeah. I'm not gonna complain here. Um, another thing I had no complaints about, and I know people did. I'm not one of them. Uh, it was advertised we were gonna hear from MJF, but before we got to Wheeler Yuta came out. And he came out with some fire. Yeah, I'm still trying to. Under, I'm gonna let you go ahead and handle what you were about, what you're about to say, but I still can't understand why people had issues with Wheeler Yuta and his segment. Like I, I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I re, I loved seeing that out of Yuta. I loved it. I loved seeing the fire, the personality, him going after MJF because it's building towards something. I loved it. I loved every piece of. It. Uh, well, let's say this. Um, so they're not necessarily scoops, but they are wrestling communications. Dave Linger in the chat. Um, but the, so I saw a lot of people ragging on Wheeler Utah on the mic here and I just disagree. And the reason I disagree here is because, uh, I'm not of the belief that everybody needs to be MJF, that everybody needs to be The Rock, that everybody needs to be Roman Reigns, any, everybody needs to be Paul Heyman, the best mic workers in the world, pretty much. I don't believe everybody needs to be that. Only thing I need for people to be is believable. And I need them to be, and I need them to sound like they believe what they're saying. And in that regard, I thought, Wheeler Yuta came off like somebody who genuinely dislikes MJF. He came off as somebody who was annoyed last week, who didn't like what Max had to do or say, and is just annoyed when, uh, and is just annoyed with MJF stick. And the way he came out and was like, "What are you gonna do? Tell me I uh, sound like paint drying? You know, make fun of the local sports team, do all the typical MJF stuff." I believed all of that from Wheeler Yuta. That just sounded like something he would say. That felt like something he would do. And the crowd got behind him. Now, granted, he's from Philly, but uh, Philly knew that, and they got into it. And I thought that, um, you know, I saw people kind of, uh, you know, commenting on the voice crack. I see Caden in the chat just commented on the voice crack. But again, passionate people, sometimes their voice cracks. That's okay. Like, I just thought that as long as I believe it, I don't necessarily need somebody to be the best orator. I just need to believe what they're saying. And uh, I thought Wheeler Yuta, to me, this was one of his best mic performances in just the sense of being passionate and believable. And that's it. That's all I needed from him. Hell, um, I don't think that... Like, it's kind of crazy because that's part of why... um, I've looked at guys who, like the, the scripted environment of WWE. Um, 
that's a big part of why guys who don't do well with the script to me have come off as badly as they've come off in the past is because because it doesn't necessarily to me sound like they believe what they're saying or that it's coming from their heart or that they're saying it. Like I said, they don't have to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just be believable. That's all I need. And I thought I got that. Um, And he's interrupted by MJF, who does some making fun of uh, Wheel of Yuta a bit and rips on Tony Schiavone, rips on Philadelphia. He talked about the past between Wheel of Yuta and MJF. And those two did have a past. Those two have traveled up and down the Indies. There's pictures. There's video. You can see it. And uh, MJF said, you don't want to go toe-to-toe with me on the mic. And uh, Judah didn't want to. He doesn't care about that. He wants to face him in the ring. I thought it was great. I thought he got the big pop. Uh, And I don't know. I liked it. There wasn't anything I didn't like here. Look, man, that dude said, if you don't want to fight me here in the middle of this ring, I will leave you in a puddle of your own blood on Broad Street. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Why? Big, big is, pop from that. How is that a bad line? Like, yeah. what What do y'all want? You, it's, you touched on it, man. Do you want everybody to be The Rock? You want everybody to be MJF? You want everybody to just be just absolute gold on the microphone? Everybody's not going to be the best on the mic. But as long as you can draw me in, you know, the business, professional wrestling, getting on the mic is about drawing emotion from the crowd, drawing emotion from the person that's watching, evoking something. As long as you're not saying, I don't care about this person, then, I mean, just they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. I was I was in it. I was pulled in by Wheeler Utah. Of course, MJF is going to do MJF. MJF going MJF, baby. Like, that's what he's going to do. But I was truly intrigued. I was pulled in by what Wheeler Utah was saying and doing because he they're building something. You got to allow them to build something because that is actually going to – I think that's going to be an absolutely – fantastic match between the two of those those two because you know we know what Wheeler Yuta can do we know that Wheeler Yuta is talented and he may not be as good as MJF on the mic but I enjoyed what he did on Wednesday so I think that he did his job because I was in it so me personally I think he did his job because it pulled me yeah and I agree with that that's where I was with this I enjoyed it I enjoyed him MJF did the the chicken shit thing that we love to see, which is that he was going to fight him, but not here. I'm going to do it next week in Washington D.C. The he anniversary. Might as well trademark that. That's one of his moves. <laughs> you guys want to see me fight him? You want to yeah. see me fight him? No. That's that's <laughs> yeah. that's now trademark MJF. <laughs> yes. And we got it. Uh, we're getting it next week. This is actually the first time we've seen MJF in singles action in an actual match since he was squashed by Wardlow at. Um, at double or nothing, right. and MJF has only had six matches this entire year. Two of them were losses to uh, Sean to Sean Dean. Dean. Shout out um, to my boy Cap, Sean Dean. Where's, what's up? Baby? That's right. We were there for one of them. Yes, uh, we were. <laughs> yep. So yeah, he had that loss, and he also had the, uh, of course. And then he lost to CM Punk. Yeah, he's lost four times this year. Lost to CM Punk, lost to Wardlow, lost twice to Sean Dean. And 
Uh, and then his only two victories were the one win over CM Punk in Chicago. Um, some count that as two. The official record book counts that as one. And his win over the casino ladder match, which he didn't really win. He was just handed the chip by uh, Stokely Hathaway. So he's two and four right now. Uh, he's due for some wins. I think MJF needs to get some singles wins before winning the title. I don't think he should win the title with a losing record in a company that keeps records and puts them on screen. So therefore, I think if we're going to do this, MJF should probably between now and I think he wins the title at full gear. Now, between now and full gear, I would like to see him and uh, <laughs> I would like to see Max probably get like three or four wins before winning the title uh and we know he's gonna win it but before we got there we had the title on the line not the title on the line sorry we had the champion though compete in an eliminator match Mm -hmm. we're two years into eliminator matches and i still hear constantly from people what's an eliminator match um i i don't know i feel like they've kind of explained that well enough in that it you know the the concept is that when the champion is in a non-title situation, they're always eliminator matches because it is an opportunity to pin the champion. If you pin the champion, you're automatically number one contender. WWE did it with the championship contenders match, which they named theirs like six months after AEW started doing um, eliminator matches. That's the concept. Um, that's it. You know, it, it's they they have them every single time. Champion has a uh, has a non-title match. It it's either sense. that or the champion is constantly defending the title. Right. Um, those are your, or I guess just having the non-title match. But I like there's being at least some stakes to a non-title match. And in this case, it is pin the champ, become number one contender. It was John Moxley versus Juice Robinson. We actually got a video package um, explaining a little bit of their background. Uh, we talked up John Moxley being the ace, him being the only three-time champion, showed off. Only one of his championship wins. Uh, and you're not going to show the second one. No. But that Juice Robinson had Mox's number. Juice Robinson uh, had beaten John Moxley previously since he'd been in AEW. He uh, had two victories over him. And this was now the first time that we were getting to see uh, John Moxley go one-on-one with Juice Robinson inside an AEW ring. Juice Robinson's first time on Dynamite. Um, for a crowd that I felt was very hot in Philadelphia reacting to things, they didn't exactly react all that well to Juice Robinson. Which was crazy to me, man. <laughs> like, I I actually dig Juice Robinson. I liked his work in NXT before, the, before he, you know, went to Japan and did everything that he did. Uh, I think he's a solid performer, and I love his matches against Mox. Uh, I it was I, I was kind of taken aback by the fact that the Philly crowd didn't really react to Juice, but it made me feel as though a lot of them didn't really follow Juice and know him the way that you know some do, because not everybody follows that stuff like that. And it, I can understand it, but I love what AEW does in that regard in bringing in talent that a lot of people may not necessarily see on TV a bunch like a Juice Robinson, like a Mance Warner, and you put them in there against a guy like John Moxley, which is going to be a high-profile match because it's Mox. And you give them that kind of exposure, and you build up those guys, which in turn builds up the business. So I I, I, I dig it. I like 
the concept of it. I can understand why the, there would be those who don't really get into it because they don't follow Juice. They don't know who a Juice Robinson is. But I I thought it was a good match, and I felt as though they really performed well on Dynamite this week. Yeah, and um, I, I like the match. Uh, but I understood that the crowd not necessarily being into it. And I even got a message from somebody that was like, who is Juice Robinson? And I, I was like, okay, so just a little backstory. You beat John Moxley in the G1 in Japan. He's made a career for himself in Japan. Um, I believe he might be a free agent right now. Um, there's conflicting reports on whether or not that's true. He was CJ Parker in NXT. Um, like he's been around the block, uh, but I can understand why you may not know who he is. But at the end of the day, he's just here having a max- match with John Moxley. Yeah. The end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, now that said, we haven't seen Moxley bleed in a little while, and he bled in this match, uh, which is is a Moxley trademark. It's like making up for lost time of not getting to bleed with for nine years in WWE, and then was like, ah, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it yeah. a lot. Um, let's see, Chris. By the way, Chris Neenan says I have a vision of acclaimed foam fingers everywhere in the audience. Why do they not exist already? And how can I make this a reality? Uh, I do agree. They should have foam fingers by now, and you should be able to. They they should have a, a little bit bigger of a slit to where you can make sure that two foam fingers can connect. Because honestly, I think you should sell them in pairs, right? And then just give one to a friend, and you can be like, ah, let's do it. This is an excuse to print money. Like, I know. <laughs> I feel like that's something that's going to happen. As a matter of fact, they said what next week is National Scissor Day. Yes. And they, they told people to bring their signs, bring their giant scissors. That's when you roll it out, man. Like you get the phone fingers, you sell them there, and everybody there has got the, the two phone fingers, and everybody in the crowd is scissoring each other. That didn't come out right. I do apologize to everyone for me. Making- no, that's okay. But hey, <laughs> that, that was the thing that my friend absolutely did not get, right? That they're like, what are you guys talking about? Why why does your shirt say scissor me? Um but the uh and Caden had a super chat last week. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please continue. Yeah, Kate uh so Caden had said uh sent it a super chat last week and I didn't get a chance to read it because I had to speed out, but he says super chat. Alex Queen of the Ring and SP3 saw me cry when Great Muda came out at Grand Slam. I mean, that was a moment. If you got to be there for that, uh, um, and you were there for that, I know that. But uh, I feel like a lot of people in the crowd, I saw a lot of the reactions were just going nuts. And it's it's great stuff. I love it's seeing Muda, man. Passion. It's Muda. It's Muda. Uh, Come on. Michael Branson says, first introduction to the professor. And I got to say, my, what a glorious beard. Love the Fightful fam. And thanks for all you do, Will. Thank you. Uh, I, I thank you. I appreciate that and i appreciate you sending the love with the uh with the humper chat let's keep going though because uh after the match there's a little philadelphia trivia for you after the match john moxley is confronted by hangman adam page they have a face to face they stare each other down because for the first time ever, Hangman Adam Page is going to go one-on-one with John Moxley. AEW Dynamite Tuesday, the Tuesday Night War is back, I guess. Uh, we're going to see AEW Dynamite on a Tuesday. And in the title match, Hangman Adam Page is going to take on John Moxley. First time one-on-one. But that's not the first time they've ever had a match. No. You see, on the third episode of Dynamite, 
Hangman Adam Page teamed with Kenny Omega to take on the team of Pac and John Moxley. Pac and John Moxley, of course, not quite seeing eye to eye. And Hangman and Kenny ended up getting the best of them in that match. Where did that match take place? Philadelphia. It took place in the Leacora Center, this very arena, Philadelphia. It was the first time that those two had a match against each other. The other time that these two faced each other was in the casino ladder match last year in which Hangman Adam Page made his triumphant return as the Joker and grabbed the chip to challenge Kenny Omega at full gear. There was a brief moment in that match in which Kenny, as a matter of fact, uh, Kenny, now I'm talking about Hangman. Um, Hangman and John Moxley got to get physically involved with each other. Hangman, of course, um, John Moxley seemed like he was about to have it won when Hangman's music hit, and Hangman knocked John Moxley off the ladder. Seemed like they might have been heading somewhere with that. But that casino ladder match took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Leah Chorus Center in this very arena. So the only times that we've seen Hangman and John Moxley have any type of physical confrontation. It has been in the very arena that we saw them in last night when uh, we got to see Hangman go face-to-face with John Moxley. They had their stare down, but it was almost not to be because they were interrupted by MJF, who said that it doesn't matter what the outcome of these two's match is going to be because at the end of the day, They're just fighting to see who will lose their world title to MJF when he so decides to cash in his chip. But then he turns around and gets his ass beat by Wheeler Yuta, who is done playing with this man. And they brawl from his skybox down through the crowd. Again, I liked everything involving Wheeler Yuta and MJF here. Yeah, absolutely. There was some real furniture moving between the two of those those boys. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I like to see what they're doing with you to giving him this platform, uh, to perform against one of the, uh, the upper guys, upper echelon guys in AEW, uh, and, uh, Max. And it's, I just think it's entertaining. And Max is a good foil for, uh, Wheeler. You know, you, you push Wheeler as a, as a pretty, pretty, uh, solid baby against, you know, the devil himself. And so, I think Wheeler got a yeah. strong showing too, considering you know Wheeler got to go face to face with John Moxley and um, really got to uh, show something against Moxley. I think Wheeler's not gonna to be a, gonna be a walk in the park for MJF at all. I think uh, Wheeler is probably gonna get to look good against Max before Max ultimately takes the victory. You you having some audio issues, Will? Oh, there it goes. There's my thing. Uh, let's see. The chat saying it. Hi, guys. Professor Nick Harrison here. I want to thank you for joining us for Day After Dynamite. And this is why, like I said, I have a whole podcast that like, there's a good 20 minutes of that were unusable because nobody told me that was happening, so I appreciate that. I uh, got you. But that's why I probably... That's why I like the chat, too, because the chat um, said everything that needed to be said there. So yes. either way, I appreciate you, chat, for bringing that to my attention. Now, let's talk about the segment that's got everybody talking. Soraya. Oh, boy. Yes. Soraya makes her way to the ring. Uh, and 
great reaction for Soraya. Everybody's happy to see her. Um, you could tell she was nervous. She dropped her famous I'm back line. And uh, I thought to start, she wasn't so bad. She even left things a little bit ambiguous. She talked about, um, you know, that she's broken, but... Uh, or what was the line she used? I can't remember exactly what it was. It's something along those lines. I can't remember the exact thing, but I, I know what you're talking about. Yes. So, uh, she, I thought, started well. But I don't think it ended well. And And a big part of it was that I felt like this segment took the approach that that's what it was it was she's damaged but not broken and yeah. so that was supposed to lead you know lead a little bit of ambiguity in there leave it to where you could believe that damaged but not broken says i can't wrestle now but that doesn't mean i won't and so uh this segment this segment took the approach to the AEW women's division that um almost took the approach that it's been like the Divas division was for a long time. And the beef, of course, a lot of people took with that, and I took with that, was that, guys, the problem with the women's division has just been a lack of time and consistency. That's it. Like, we're not necessarily talking about needing a huge makeover of things as much as we just need more of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's kind of it. And so the way she was kind of talking about the revolution and the way she brought out the the women's roster, and um, I thought that I don't like that kind of stuff. I didn't like it in WWE. I'm one of the one of the the few people who hated Stephanie getting the revolution started and bringing out the three teams. I hated that. I thought that um, you took away a lot of the individuality of these identities that had been working at crafting their own individuality in NXT and all of that. And you were like, actually, we're just going to bring them out and make them teams. I thought that this kind of did a lot of that, where it's like Tony Storm didn't need a reintroduction by Soraya to me. Tony Storm has been consistently on TV, in AEW, on Dynamite. She has not missed a Dynamite. I believe, and I said this uh, last night, and a few people tried to challenge me on it, um, but I said I don't believe... AEW has had a women's performer almost period uh, perform in or have an in-ring segment eight straight weeks on the show. Mm -hmm. Tony Storm has. The last eight straight weeks, she has been in-ring on Dynamite. And somebody was like, well, what about Britt Baker? Britt Baker did not. A lot of times Britt Baker's content was like backstage segments. Backstage there was not eight straight weeks of Britt okay. Baker having in-ring segments on TV throughout her entire run uh, as champion. And uh, people were pointing to Karushita. I don't believe she had eight straight weeks at any given point either. Tony Storm has had eight consistent weeks on TV as uh, AEW or It started before she was champion. Before she was champion, when it was building up to her challenging Tony Storm, or challenging uh, Thunder Rosa. Sorry, got my th Storm and... Uh, Thunder. Thunderstorm. Yes, Thunderstorm. When it was just leading to those, uh, to them having the one-on-one -on -one match, Tony Storm was on TV consistently. She had the match with Kylan King. Uh, she, 
they were doing what they needed to do to get her there. But the fact that she has stayed consistently on TV, I've been saying, that's all I want to see. Give me some consistency. Give me Jade Cargill consistently. Give mm-hmm. me Tony Storm consistently. That's what I want to see is just consistency in the show. And I think um, things are going to work out. I didn't need necessarily Soraya to tell me that things are that bad because I don't think they are from a content standpoint. I think they are from a consistency standpoint. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't like that. I didn't like Soraya necessarily speaking for Tony Storm um, when I thought that Tony Storm has already been strong enough. Mm-hmm. Then out comes Britt Baker. Uh, and Britt Baker throws some disses at Soraya. Bars. And she had some good lines. In she, she is Britt Baker. She is good at what she does. Uh, and she talked about um, Soraya's name and how people don't know if it's Soraya or Soraya. Uh, and yeah, that probably should have been put in Excalibur's earpiece last week when she came to the <laughs> ring. Uh, but Soraya. Uh, and then she's like, who are you to make fun of names? Um, because your name rhymes with shit. And, horrible yeah horrible line. horrible line yeah i was like oh, and then Taz oh the, whoa yeah <laughs> <laughs> that i can't look okay so check it i my main problem with it is along with some of the lines that you were saying you know like she brings all of the women out and says you know let me tell you about some of these ladies like tony storm let me tell you about Tony Storm. You don't need to say anything about Tony Storm. You got Willow Nightingale sitting right there. And Willow Nightingale does not get the credit that she deserves in AEW. Like, she mm-hmm. is a solid performer that deserves to be on TV more, and they just don't do it. Where was Jade Cargill in all of this? Where were Jade Cargill and the baddies? Were, were they not, Maybe they weren't there. That Maybe they were scheduled to be there and supposed to be there, and they weren't there. Then that's fine. You got Penelope Ford out there with Rip Baker and her crew. Why is she just there? Like, well, because uh, I think on? it was because I was guessing by the way they came out of the tunnels that was supposed to be the baby faces on one side and the heels on one side. But the problem was Penelope yeah. was just one heel who's not normally with this group. So yeah. that was the issue I had here. Is that if there was like one more heel there, then I think the point would have been illustrated that this is the heels here and those are the baby faces. Um, just seemed a little out of place to me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I. I see I see where they were trying to go. Like the whole deal with what they're trying to do with Saray, it just it it feels kind of forced and don't like, you know, we have her now. We have to do something with her. So let's do this. And yeah. this is how we're gonna do it. And it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It's just not working right now. Hopefully they'll retool it. And work it out in the next couple of weeks. You know, is she like the commissioner of the women's division or something? Like well, what? Like what is this? And so um, there were a couple of other things people had problems with because she uh, she did kind of make a match, but it was more so the match was made and she just got to announce it because she was like she kind of addressed that Tony gave her permission to announce this match, which is the um, it's going to be a lumberjack match. Since we have all these women out here, lumberjack match, let's do it. And it's for the title, which it already was. We knew that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I was like, and it's for the title. Like, wait, 
when was it not for the title? They yeah, we knew this already. Like we, we knew that we we had a graphic at the beginning of the show. We knew it was for the championship. Tony Storm versus Serena Deep. Um and the So I like the match actually. I like Tony Storm versus Serena Deep. Uh I thought that Serena I don't know, comes through. And you know the funny thing is uh again prefacing a podcast that's going to be out probably next week but she was actually somebody that stood out to my friend and i was very surprised by this that that uh, serena deeb of all people stuck out uh the way she did but um the other part that had people uh upset was soraya mentioning having a boss who listens in tony khan and i noticed that that kind of drove people up a wall Guys, I know it's difficult because we're people who lived through 90s wrestling. We were used to people taking digs and shots. And I know that there's a whole generation of people who just didn't grow up with that stuff. But, like, I genuinely don't. uh... Hold on. Let me see. Okay, cool. Uh, Sorry. I was getting a message from Kate. Thank you, Kate. And uh, it just distracted me a little bit because I want to make sure I know what she's saying because this is kind of important. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, thank you, Kate. <laughs> anyway. Thank you, Kate. Uh, yeah, so some people felt like, um, you know, I, I don't know, people weren't happy with that line, um, especially like people who kind of follow along tribal lines because, uh, look, even though along internet lines, Tony Khan has has developed a little bit of a reputation with some people in the IWC. He's still popular with the AEW fans. The line got a pop, actually. And so that is a thing where uh, it's a very easy thing to say of, hey, Tony Khan is somebody who we like. And the crowd goes, yeah! Um, and that's, like, it's, it's an easy way to pop fans. It worked. Um, and... Uh, I see somebody in the chat says she's just a hypocrite by saying this. Literally thank WWE for everything they did for her a few months ago. I mean, but that's the thing is you can also thank WWE as an organization and still have a problem with like Vince. And that's okay. Uh, Those two things can go in tandem. We've actually heard that from people. Um, I don't know. I feel like anybody's entitled to speak on their own experience. That's her experience. That's how she put it. That's how it's going to happen. She can do that. Um but the at the end of the day the the show i i'd like i didn't like the segment i thought the segment didn't do right by the women's division i thought it was a little yeah. bit of a setback segment i thought that uh the places it did right is that it gave the women a lot of time i'm curious what the quarters look like for the segment mm-hmm. um and the um the the entirety of the segment i thought again the talent is there the matches to me are even there mm-hmm. the only thing we should have been asking for is more of it i don't think that even like a reset was even necessary here as much as we just need to see more and that's kind of it and i don't even think they need more in the respect of like equal to the men 
And I, the reason I say that is because there's not enough women on the roster. I think when you saw how many people they brought out, it's very clear that if you split it evenly, it's not going to happen. It, it, you will have a very disproportionate show. Yeah. Um, but we just need to see more and enough of it to really take in and get attached to people. The, the thing that we can tend to hate is the fact that we'll see somebody that we like and that we can kind of sink our teeth into, and then we don't see him again for three or four weeks. That's, to me, the problem with the women's division. That's why I've been commending them on Tony Storm. Eight weeks is a lot of time to show some showcase somebody consistently. There's a lot of men they don't do that with. Um, and so the fact that we've seen Tony storm that consistently is a good thing. Um, but, uh, I thought it was a good match. Yeah. I thought it was a good match. I liked, uh, Serena and Tony storm. And like, I'm starting to, I'm starting to see that Tony storm is really able to develop chemistry with a lot of people. I liked that, um, they did the near fall with storm zero that Mm. I thought that was it. And yeah. uh, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, Serena kicked out. They made Serena look strong. And yeah, I thought the finish looked good. Uh, she then hits that super pile driver. Looked amazing. That one, two, three. Pile driver looked great, man. Like I love the build that they've been doing with Serena D, making her a viable contender for the women's championship over the past couple of weeks and months, and really just putting a shine on Serena. She deserves it because she's a heck of a talent. And I I, lo- I thought that was a solid match. I liked the finish. Uh, if anything, they paid a little bit too much attention to the women outside the ring and not enough attention to, like, what was going on in the ring during the match. Like, that could have been a little bit different. But other than that, I thought the match was cool. Yeah. Well, Nick, this is well, where I have to throw you to the wolves now. Uh, because a little incident happened last night. So after this match, I had to uh, make a quick drive and uh, to go pick up my daughter from her dance class around the corner. Mm -hmm. I end up getting a flat tire. Uh, My tire completely blows out because uh, somebody took the access cover for the water access cover, so not the sewer cover because those would have been bigger, but the little water access cover from the street and just turned it upside down in the middle of the street. So the sharp side is just facing upward. And I ran over that. I saw it like with a millisecond to go, I swerve out of the way, run over it. Um, anyway, so bust out my tire damages my wheel. Um, I said all that to say that I'm getting a phone call right now from, uh, my, uh, from my body shop who can, who's taking a look at that. I didn't even see what happened with Ricky Starks. So I'm going to leave you to the audience to, uh, discuss this. For a moment, while I answer this phone call, you you do your thing, brother. I got <laughs> thank, thank you, Nick. No problem, Will. So, of course, day after dynamite, ladies and gentlemen, Professor Nick Harrison, Will Washington is on the phone. Big Willie, right here. <laughs> so, the the Ricky Stark match, Ricky Starks match, excuse me, against Eli. I want to make sure I get his name correct. I got it in my notes right here. Eli Eason. Uh, very quick. Uh, the entrance for Ricky Starks was probably a little bit longer than the actual match itself. But this is all leading up to Ricky getting more screen time, people really enjoying Ricky Starks and what he's able to do so much and uh, building him into a star. Because I, for one, 
have been a proponent of putting the jetpack on Ricky Starks, make him one of your top guys, put him into the championship picture. I feel like Ricky Starks should contend for the TNT championship. I would love to see a match between him and between he and Wardlow. Wardlow, excuse me. I think Ricky is a is a talent, a fantastic talent. You know, and he got to go against uh, a local talent and show what he could do in real quick time and just go out there and do his thing. And on top of that, we've seen what Ricky can do. You know, we you saw the lights out match at Grand Slam between he and Powerhouse Hobbs, which I thought was just a magnificent match. And I'm glad that he and Will got that got that 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 shine, that spotlight. So I'm happy for Ricky. I'm excited to see what they do with him going forward. And just the like for real, that's that that stuff is so cool to me. I love the lighting that they've done with his interest now. If you follow me on social media and you followed me on TikTok for the past two years, you know that one of the things that I'm really known for is entrances. And I've done uh, Ricky Stark's interest before. He was a big fan of it. He retweeted it. He talked about it. I actually went back and looked at that the other day because it was just funny to me that he recognized the nuances of some of the stuff that he did during his entrance with the kissing of the hands and all that stuff. But it just goes into the ambiance and the the, the just the cool factor of Ricky Starks. So, I mean, it wasn't a match to call home to your mom about. Wasn't really made to be that. It was just there to get him out there, put the beating on somebody, celebrate his victory, and share the adulation from the fans, which he deserves because he did a fantastic job. Day after Dynamite, Fightful.com, the Fightful YouTube page. Hey, by the way, while I have time and while Will is doing his thing, well, I still don't know which way to point it right there. Uh, so while Will is doing his thing, and here he comes right back. I am back. You're, you're <laughs> just in time uh, because I was just about to talk about the Fightful TikTok page and how people should go and follow. We got great stuff going on, some great interviews from SRS and some great clips of some older stuff and some original content from me. And I'm sure we're going to build on it. We're getting close to uh, 3,500 followers. Uh, just It has grown and grown and grown over the past couple of weeks, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, we talked about the Ricky Starks match, and like I said, it's not really something to call home to your mama yeah. about. He took I, I, all I the local talent and squashed it. That's it. I, I, I hate that I missed it uh, because <laughs> I was I was really upset because I um, – this was supposed to be a five-minute trip up the road. I could have made it back. Like, literally, my daughter's dance class is, like, right up the street. I could have made it back in time uh, for I, – I, like, left right at the end of the women's match, and I was like, okay, uh, I'll be back through this commercial break. And then instead, I ended up having to deal with all of this. It ended up taking about 15 minutes to get my car back home, uh, which when you're driving two minutes away, that's obviously an issue. Um, yeah. And by the way, I was kind enough – to put that access cover back so that it didn't happen to the next person because <laughs> yeah uh and somebody even like was initially like annoyed with me because they saw me in the road and they're like hey get out the road and i'm like hey i just saved your tire dude like um, chill out fella yeah chill out uh i did see there was uh one thing we didn't talk about there was 
I guess we get kind of talk about it. There was a backstage segment with the acclaimed, and they declared next week uh, National Scissoring Day, and uh, and then they were interrupted by Keith Lee because uh, the reason we were giving for Swerve, given for Swerve's absence was that uh, Swerve is is fuming about this loss, and he's going to take some time to uh, to recover from this, mm-hmm. and. It sounds like we're going to run this back a third time because there was controversy, right? Billy Gunn did interfere, and so therefore, yeah, they deserve a rematch. Swerve and Keith Lee do. <laughs> but the the you know the end of the segment where Billy goes, they tell Swerve, "I got two words for him: scissor me." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're run, they are running with this, and you know I'm all go ahead and do your thing. Wait until mm-hmm. the wheels fall off because it's just. It has absolutely taken off, and people enjoy it. You know, I wonder if they're going to run it next week. Because next week's an interesting week. So next week we've got the Dynamite anniversary on Wednesday from Washington D.C., the very city where the first episode of Dynamite took place, and not the same arena because that was Capital One Arena the first time, and this is uh, the arena where the um, Mystics play. But uh, we will be seeing a live Rampage the Friday after, and I bet you that's where the rematch takes place. And, or not on the Rampage, but then they're doing Battle of the Belts immediately after. And it's just going to air that way. Um, Battle of the Belts is actually airing Friday night after Rampage. And it's going to be a two-hour Rampage, but the second hour is Battle of the Belts. I have concerns about that because of the fact that... um, my DVR tends to miss Battle of the Belts because the recordings aren't classified as uh, Dynamite or Rampage. Right. And so I'm hoping that they like are smart enough to still keep it as Rampage on the DVR and just like call it Battle of the Belts so that way it records properly. Because they are smart enough to do that with things like um, Road 2 and stuff. Or not Road 2, the, uh, the countdown specials that they do before pay-per-views. Those are listed as just like AEW Dynamite. And uh, so that way, people's DVRs catch it, and we get to record it. I hope they're smart enough to do that with this Battle of the Belt special. Um, and hope. yes, uh, and as far as asking, do I have a DVR still? I mean, kinda. I, I the service I use is Directv Stream, and so yeah, I can record programming on Directv Stream, but I can pull it up on my desktop. I can pull it up on my phone. I can pull it up anywhere, and. It's just all shows that are basically saved. And the cool thing is they save, uh, I believe they took the limit off. So the earliest show I have, like I've got Dynamites going back to our New Orleans episode. Uh, That one is still um, in my uh, DirecTV stream account. So I I like it. Uh, A couple more Super Chats before we get to the main event and get to ratings. But Kate says, uh, Professor needs to do Swerve's entrance with Will's remix. (laughs) I do because I, you know, I did his in when he left WWE. I did his indie uh, entrance to uh, "Can't Nobody" by uh, "Can't Nobody" by Shaka Khan, and I did it as like my transition from leaving the classroom and going into an administrator. So it started with me in the classroom that I did all my entrances in, and moved to the school that I was at now. And I need to do another swerve entrance that possibly moves me from where I was before to where I am now which is in South Louisiana. I'm actually living like an hour away from New Orleans now. Uh-huh. So the next time you guys coming out of New Orleans, uh, you know. Yeah, you yeah. got you do have to do it with my changed version of the entrance. This. 
Whose house? That one. Uh, but <laughs> um, so uh, I, I, no matter what, I'm glad I get to to, to own that there. But there you go. Uh, and I guess I just gave it up for anybody because I've seen people try to make edits of it on YouTube of trying to put together their own version, but don't quite have the whose house right. I just gave it to you. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. That's fairly clean audio. Um, Orion Ben six 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 says expert opinion. Uh, Ricky's Ricky's Grand Slam pre entrance. Oh, like oh god, like you have to be absolute. The best part was him being standing right there in front of where he was on the screen, and it being like a silhouette of himself or his shadow. That was right in front of it. Just it was seamless, man. It was so cool, and mm-hmm. I, I I thought it was pure genius. And I love when Rick, and I sat there and said it as I was watching it with my wife. I was like, I love when Ricky does this when he does like the little pre entrance to his entrance with the little videos right before it. It's all Chef's kiss, man. It's always fantastic. Shout Great out to stuff. Starks. New Orleans boy. New Orleans boy. Shout out to Ricky Starks. Yep. That was the first taste we got of how he would be as a babyface. But here in the main event for the AEW. Nope. Doesn't have anything to do with AEW. It's actually for the Ring of Honor World Championship. It's a habit that I do on the show. Uh, Chris Jericho defended the title against the former champion. who never got his rematch. Bandito. Will your audio. Will your audio. Ah! <laughs> He'll be back in just a second, folks. Thank you for all of your comments. We appreciate that. Remember, stay tuned to Fightful for more from Will Washington. This guy right here. Only ever seems to do it on the show. Anyway, I was talking about the former champion, Bandito, never got his rematch against Chris Jericho, Ring of Honor title on the line. Um, And this match was incredible. Uh, Look, okay. I love Bandito. I've seen Bandito live a million times. I was there. I got to see him face uh um uh jonathan gresham for the interim i mean for for the undisputed Will championship. your audio no oh, no for real you're yeah. kidding me this I'm time not. Ah! <sighs> okay that's happened one too many times for my liking it's a little much, it's all right you know things happen but we fix it we get back to it hope you guys are having a great day here and here. Sorry, guys. It's I don't right. know what's causing that this time because it's usually a RAM issue, but we should be good. I don't know how I sound now. Do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound great now. Okay. We're just going to hope we make it through this now. We'll close out everything. Bandito challenged Chris Jericho. I've seen Bandito do what he does best. I've seen it live. Nobody gets a crowd into them like Bandito does. I just... And then Chris Jericho. So the funny thing to me about Chris Jericho, and we had a big debate on Grapsity about this last week, was that Chris Jericho is doing the sports entertainer thing. Storyline-wise, he's trying to destroy Ring of Honor and what Ring of Honor has always stood for. But at the end of the day, the reason this works is because Chris Jericho is a great wrestler. 
I was telling somebody in AEW about this yesterday. We were talking about the match itself while it was happening. And uh, they were just over the moon about the match. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had said, the funny thing is, there's not a period in Chris Jericho's entire career that he wouldn't have fit in in what Ring of Honor used to be. Mm-hmm. And that he wouldn't have at some point been a great Ring of Honor champion. Look, you can feel how you feel about Chris Jericho as a person. That's whatever you feel. Um, but as an in-ring performer, I can never take it away from the guy. He's in his 50s. He's still got it. And he and Bandito, of course, Chris Jericho and Bandito. Um, look, Chris Jericho has made a a career out of being able to work with luchador type wrestlers Mm -hmm. and i thought he just did a phenomenal job here um i thought he made bandito look like a million bucks there were multiple times where the crowd was buying the finishes this was just an awesome awesome main event match uh easily the best match on the show one of the best matches jericho's had in a while uh what did you think of the match nick harrison i feel the same way i thought the match was fantastic but one thing that i'll give to the notion of Chris Jericho being the ROH world champion and with him going back against like the old ROH world champions, especially if they're guys that you haven't really seen on AEW before is that he's really given a lot of guys shine. Like he's giving them it's AEW once again, giving people that their audience or wrestling audiences in general may not know a lot about giving them an opportunity to get introduced to these guys to show them show you what they can really do and also giving them a platform against some of the bigger stars in AEW to really get some notoriety and for people to really see who they are. So Chris Jericho being the ROH champion to some may not be the most ideal thing because they don't really associate 2022 Chris Jericho with what Ring of Honor on I actually stands for, but the fact that they put the title on him right now is going to give a lot of guys some visibility that they wouldn't have previously. And Bandito was one of those guys. Bandito, as they talked about during the show, as even Chris Jericho himself said, one of the best wrestlers in the world. And that is 100% true. Bandito, when he's on, is one of the best in the business, and he's going to put on a show. And these two really had an amazing match, and it was it was fantastic to see. And it just goes to show you the, at least in some aspects, what kind of dedication Tony Khan and AEW really have towards ROH and building up the Ring of Honor talent. Because we're seeing a lot of them get shine on the show, and I, I'm so I, I I thought it was a great match, and just the concept of why they're putting it together to me is it, is it, really cool. Yeah, I I don't know. I had fun with the match, and I had fun with um, I'm having fun with the idea of Chris Jericho wanting to run through uh, past Ring of Honor people because I agree with what you said there. I think that it. Um, in a sense, it's going to take Chris Jericho, who's still very much a well-known mainstream name, and essentially give him the uh, expose Ring of Honor's identity to people by having Chris Jericho run through them. I get the strategy here, and I think it's going to work. Um, and then after it was over, Chris Jericho said he's going to destroy everything about Ring of Honor, including 
Ring of Honor announcers and ring announcers, and then poor Bobby Cruz, my my boss over on uh, um, Women's Wrestling Army, uh, took the Judas effect, and Chris Jericho celebrates to end the show as your Ring of Honor world champion. This was dynamite. I didn't hate the show. I think that a segment that people hated a lot, and I get why they hated it, because I didn't like it either. I think they're weighing that against the entire show, especially because it took up half an hour of it. Um, But that, I don't think, brings the entire show down. I actually liked the opening segment. I liked Wheeler Yuta and MJF, the the kind of sports entertainment-y stuff we saw. Um, And I also thought that the matches were good. And so... I don't know. Um, this wasn't obviously. This isn't even in like the top fifteen episodes this year. But this is also a show that people have fairly high standards for. So I get it. Um, but because they have such high standards for it, a show that doesn't hit is like kind of into the world for a lot of people. Um, ratings are in. The show did nine hundred and ninety thousand. Uh, this was their first time not in the top five in a long time uh it was actually in number nine but every show that beat it uh was it says eight of the top spots were weather channel coverage um and so we know what was going on here it was yeah uh it was hurricane ian yeah we know what was going on so um this is one of those shows you can really do too much about uh i'm looking for exactly what all the seven were oh i'm sorry and then number eight was tucker carlson uh but the uh uh so seven of so the top seven were all weather channel and what was interesting too because my brother and i share our direct tv stream account and it's always on the last channel that whichever of us was watching when you go open the account every time i opened it it was on the weather channel uh and my brother lives in florida but he lives in miami so i think he was tracking it to just kind of like see what's going on right um and they're saying tucker was also just hurricane footage okay so yeah this is clearly what was happening here as a matter of fact um when you remove all of the new stuff dynamite was still number one uh and then same as usual real housewives beverly hills was right behind it so uh it is the week that it is and people are gonna pin it on the sports entertainment stuff, but it, it and I'm gonna get killed for saying this. Even your professional wrestling shows like AEW need a little bit of sports entertainment to it because at the end of the day, it's a TV show, and yep. they have bosses that they have to appease. You know, they that that if you don't get ratings, if people don't watch your show, you're gonna get canceled. You're gonna get pulled off of the air. You're gonna get moved to another <laughs> network. It's a TV show. It's like football. People love football. You watch football at the end of the day is a television show. It's a TV show. Mm-hmm. So they have to put the bells and whistles on it for people to act the the people who wouldn't necessarily watch it on a regular basis to come in and watch it. You know, if you're AEW, some of this stuff needs to be a part mm-hmm. of it to make it a more entertaining uh, you know, television entity. I'll say this though. Um 
because they're not necessarily at risk of getting canceled. The show is actually doing really well. Yeah. Um, and I, I talk with uh, Warner guys all the time. Um, another Fightful Select story that came out was, uh, thank you, Sean, for the credit. It, you didn't have to, but um, that I did note or I did get the the information that um, they were really pleased with MJF and really pleased with MJF's uh, presence on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I did let MJF know that, and that was what I meant when he was talking about it on uh, Ariel Hawani. When he was yeah. like, "I yeah," when he said that, uh, I have heard that. Um, and while he was kind of doing a little bit of a lap on that one, <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, that's that's that. This is day after dynamite, folks. I want you to stay with us, please, um, because. We've got Ask Rhapsody coming up here in a little bit about 15 minutes. I got to go pick up my son from school, as I always do on Thursdays, and then I'm going to rush my way back. We're going to do this show, and then I have to take him to parkour class. My Thursdays are busy. Uh, And so um, definitely stick around for Ask Rhapsody that's coming up in a little about 15 minutes. So, uh, Nick Harrison, what do you want to plug? Let the world know where you can be found. Uh, well, of course, as you can see down here, you can see me on social media at Mr. Professor 318. That's on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, also, you can find it if you search it on Facebook, you'll be able to find it as well. Uh, on Thursdays on ESPN Radio New Orleans, you can catch me on Wanna Bet with the Professor Nick Harrison, where we talk about the best bets in professional sports. Uh, we're going to talk about professional wrestling betting at some point, which is a ridiculous notion, but it's actually a thing that happens. So we're going to bring it up on the show eventually. And uh, you can also catch that on SoundCloud after they post the shows. Um, the podcast is coming up soon. As you can see, I got the setup now. It doesn't sound like I'm on this because I'm not on this. There's a microphone behind the camera that I've been using for all of this stuff. And so that's coming up pretty soon as well. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something about professional wrestling. And you're probably going to like it. So make sure you check that out too. And that'll be coming up real, real soon. Thank you, Will, for having me on. I appreciate it, my man. And I, we must do this again sometime because I absolutely, I you're welcome that. back. You are welcome back anytime. Folks, this has been Day After Dynamite for September 29th, 2022. We're wrapping up September here. We're going to be in the best month of the year, October, because that's what my birthday is. Uh, Until (laughs) then, we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Peace.